0: Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Ted Brower Show, which we're going to rename since Austin's going to be joining me on a regular basis to the Brower Report. I figured we could do Brower and Brower, but you know it's kind of like Hagman and Hagman, so we figured (laughs) we didn't need to do that, so we're going to make it the Brower Report. And Austin will be joining me uh, from now on on every show, and sometimes when I'm out of the town or out of the country, uh, he'll be doing them by himself and interviewing guests and doing other types of reports, other types of nutrition updates. So, Austin, it was good to have you on with me today. And I've got, another, I've got another person that we're bringing in on today right at the top of the hour, a good friend of mine. His name is Doc Marquis. Let me read you a little bit about Doc. Uh, Doc was raised uh, as a child of the occult. Uh, for 20 years, he was trained in the occult and as a, he obtained the rank of a master witch. Uh, As a result of God's sovereignty and mercy, Doc became surrounded by Christians who presented him with the gospel. Confronted by God's word and love, he opened his heart and mind on April the 15th, 1979, which is funny. That's almost the exact same date I became a Christian, which Doc and I have joked about that before. And he became a born born again Christian. So he's going to talk today a little bit about Halloween. Uh, We're going to go into satanic ritual abuse, uh, disassociative identity disorder, all the stuff that can happen to these kids when they go out and they trick or treat with Halloween, and I know we're still a week or so away from Halloween. I think it's Saturday in a week, but the reality is, I wanted to get this information out today because I wanted to be able to get enough people to realize before Halloween started that we really, really needed to avoid it. But let me cover a little bit of the news real quick. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, Austin and I both have a few stories we want to cover. Doc and, and Doc, Doc, welcome. I know you're on here with me too. And say, uh, yeah. say hello to the audience. Yeah. Thanks, Doc. And what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and do some news stories, and I want to go ahead and get a little bit of feedback from you on these news stories for about five or ten minutes, and then we'll start directly into the show. Uh, we really don't have any commercial interrupts on this. I didn't want to do that on, on, this, on this show uh, because I just don't want to do that. Well, this show is brought to you by HealthMasters.com. We appreciate your support, and you can sign up for a free newsletter and learn more about health and nutrition. And We talk about that sometimes on the show too interest report after six years of austerity which means not basically tightening your belt and not buying anything 36% of Greeks are now living in poverty thousands of austerity measures dramatic cuts in incomes incredible hikes in taxes five in a years in deep recession three bailout agreements and where do the Greeks stand now? on the top of the Eurozone when it comes to poverty. More than one out of three Greeks, which is 36% of the total population, is at risk of poverty and social exclusion. And this is absolutely awful. This was happening to Greece. And so the reality is Greece needs to do what Iceland did. Iceland had enough of this nonsense and Iceland came around and said, hey, you know what, we're not gonna do this anymore. They threw the bankers out, put a bunch of them in jail, started issuing their own currency and got away from the debt-based monetary system. Austin, I know when you were in the MBA program, you wrote a whole, you wrote an entire paper one time on the debt-based monetary system. Is that a system that can ever work long-term?
1: No, it never lasts long-term. They can't.
0: Well, you know, why? Eventually,
1: why? I, mean, they always, I mean, you eventually run out of money, as we've seen with the Federal Reserve, what they've done over the last 100 years you continue to print more and more and more currency. And in every single society that we've ever seen since the beginning of time, irredeemable paper currency always goes back to its printed value, which is essentially nothing. Um, So, I mean, you can't base anything really off any significant amount of debt and expect it to last long term.
0: No, that's exactly right. In fact, what's funny is when you have a debt-based monetary system, it's kind of like the Babylonian money magic system. It's absolutely just wrought with Satanism and fraud, and it's all a lie. And so whenever you have to borrow money from a group like these weirdo bankers, these Satanists, Kabbalists, Luciferian Rothschilds, what ends up happening is they start to own the world, own the planet, and they start printing up their own currency and buying up all the assets they never worked for. Uh, is that how you see it, too, Doc?
2: Well, there's absolutely no doubt about the fact that um, the Rothschilds are the ones that's pulling all the bank strings. As a matter of fact, it was in 1838 that Mayer um, um, Amsha Rothschild himself stated, allow me to issue and control the money of a nation, and I care not who writes its laws. And he was right. Whoever pulls the purse strings
0: makes the bulls. you're absolutely right now what's interesting to me in the book of Revelation in the second and third chapter it talks about the synagogue of Satan those people that mm-hmm. masquerade as Jews but who are not explain that. what that means Doc explain what it means by that and, and why I'm mentioning that about the Rothschilds and about this banking cartel
2: well, as you all well know, I was raised in as a child in the order of the Illuminati. My family goes back into the Illuminati all the way back to 1789, 13 years after it started. And what that verse, and I can tell you this much um, as a born-again Christian, what those verses um, reflect is the house of Rothschild themselves, because they are Jewish by birth, but... They are not Jewish by practice. They worship Lucifer. And so when we look at the verse itself, it says um, that they appear to be Jewish on one side, but the Lord says in the conclusion, they are, well, the synagogue, he said synagogue of Satan, because that double emphasizes their Jewish heritage.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because we always talk about that because, you know, the whole thing with the Kabbalah. You can talk about the Talmud, about how the Talmud came in in the 6th century and what happened with the Talmud and how this Talmudism is not even Old Testament and that these folks that are practicing this are not the Jews that we think of as the Old Testament Jewish folks that were in the synagogue in G- with Jesus, or the Temple of David with Jesus, that they don't believe the same things that they were taught in the Torah, and how they look at the Torah is just a book of fairy tales, basically, and yeah, they actually worship the Talmud.
2: Uh, well, because the thing is, if we look at the actual writings, interesting enough, um, we find out that, in ask most Jews, it seems that, um, when, when you look at um, the writings of the rabbis and such, um, their, their writings are I considered I consider to be more um, insightful and enlightened than the Word of God itself. And it's also from such practices that um, we developed, well, I should say, they have developed what's known as the occult system known as the Kabbalah, which I'm certain you've heard of by now. Oh, yeah. And um, with the Kabbalah, it's believed that if you... Understand certain patterns and combinations of the Hebrew alphabet, you can actually glean information directly out of the mind of God Himself.
0: Why don't you go ahead and explain a little bit more of that, Doc? Because that sounds a little bit, you know, far fetched for most people. So I want you to explain why you feel, why why they how that works.
2: Well, as I it said, it's a system of taking Hebrew letters and using them in certain combinations to form patterns, and a lot of these patterns and such are used on occult symbols to this very day, because it's believed that these patterns actually contain some sort of power. And a lot of ancient ceremonies, and some I'm still quite aware of that goes on today, use these same patterns to summon demons with. And this is just... And partial of the so-called powers that these combinations of letters and tzachar, it's even it's even believed that you can, through the Kabbalah, eventually um, discern the actual name of God himself. Now, if you could do that according to um, the belief, now this is an occult belief now, that you could undo God's creation itself, and
0: they really believe that,
2: don't they? Oh, you'd be- as it says, this stuff I learned when I was growing up in the Illuminati. You
0: now, Sabatine Levy and Jacob Frank in the 16 and 1700s, and they brought Rothschilds in at the end of the 1700s, explained what they meant because they said they wanted to turn upside down God's creation and they wanted to make everything he said was good, bad. And this was the real big push to come out into the open with all of this teaching.
2: Well, as I said, it is believed. If you understand how to work the Kabbalah pr- um, correctly, you can not only just undo creation, you can redefine it or, shall we say, recreate it in the way you wish to. See, there's an older cult belief. Let, let me just give you a quick example here. That if you can undo, let's just say one prophecy, just one prophecy of God, then he can do, then he can undo all of them because God then can't be God Almighty if he could undo one of His prophecies.
0: So basically, they're doing everything they can to turn upside down the creation of God to try to undo something, to try to prove the superiority of Lucifer, to try to undo His creation. Right.
2: You see, remember, as it says, um, it was through the Word of God. You know, Christ spoke the Word, and creation came into existence. Now, if you could un- actually, shall we say, go back and understand how this was done, in theory, you could undo it and then redo it in whatever form or fashion you want it to be.
0: So basically, you're, it's a situation which they're trying to undo the Word of God, redo creation in Lucifer's image, bring about a one-world government, and take over the planet. Let me, let me read you this. This is a really good article that just came out by Michael Schneider. It came out two days ago. And it says, moving toward a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world religion. And it says, quote, The global elite have never been closer to the goal of a united world. From September the 25th to September 27th, the United Nations launched a new universal agenda for humanity. These are not my words, but they are actually directly out of the core document for this new agenda. The Pope traveled to New York City to give the address that kicked off the conference, thus giving him considerable endorsement of the new plan. Virtually every nation on the entire planet willingly signed up for the 17 goals that are included in this plan, But this stunning turn of events made very few international headlines. Paul McGuire goes on to say, The UN is not asking permission, but ensuing a command that the entire planet will commit to 17 sustainable goals and 169 sustainable development targets designed to radically transform the world by 2030. This is in 15 years. The UN 2030 plan promoted by the Pope will advance Agenda 21 on steroids, through a controlled media and mass population, through a, through a controlled media and the mass populations will be told that this is all about saving the planet and ending poverty, but that is not the true agenda of 21. What is the whole goal here? What is this one world religion, uh, Doc? What is this whole thing about worshiping Lucifer? What is this all about? Well, I mean, why all, do they want to do this?
2: Okay, first of all, the timing is flawless because. Uh, Going by um, the timelines of the Illuminati, and I still have um, all of them still memorized to to date. According to one particular timeline, between the years 2028 and 2030, they'll have everything in their back pockets, so they can move at a whim at that point. The goal of the one world religion, it's easy. We go to Revelation 18.23b, it tells us, that the entire world is going to be handed over to the Antichrist through the occult. Now, it said all nations, not some, not part, not just this one, no. It said all the nations of the world are going to be handed over to the um, Antichrist. Now, in order for that prophecy to come true, common sense dictates that we have to see a resurgence in the occult religions greater now in all of recorded history. Now, we go to um, the um, facts and figures found at the the World Church of All Religions. Find out that in America alone, now this is just America, there are approximately one million people initiated into various occult groups. That's every year now. My question would be, how many people have we got saved in America this year? So you,
1: see,
2: you, God. The pro- so you see, the prophecy is, uh, you can see the birth of the prophecy is coming to pass because we see this resurgence right now happening. So eventually that will happen. And the goal of this um, movement is to eventually put um, Lucifer on the throne. You see? In the Illuminati, it is believed, now remember, this is their belief. It is believed that in the beginning, Lucifer was equal to God in all things. However, as the millenniums rolled by, it was God that became jealous of Lucifer's equality with him and had him and his followers cast out of heaven. Right now, the Illuminati are convinced that they are summoning up enough of the force where at the Battle of Armageddon they're going to kill God and the Holy Spirit and put Lucifer on the throne where they feel he rightfully belongs. And right now, Christ is supposed to be chained to a huge boulder in hell because he betrayed the cause.
0: Wow, that's nuts, Doc. I've never heard it quite put that way before. But, you know, what I have seen, and Austin, I want to ask you about this, you know, you're 28 years old, 27 years old. I mean, you've... Now? You, now. You know, no, I'm not. No, 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 Austin is. I'm oh. talking Austin. Austin's on, my, Austin's oh. on the other line, Doc. Uh, I'm no, 27. <laughs> Austin's 27. And, and I have talent that are older than him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you and I are pretty close to the same age, Doc. I'll be 60 here in a few weeks. And, and, what's uh... and What's interesting is Austin is a lot younger than we are, so he sees a lot of things differently than we do. Austin, since you've been in school and you've been a kid, how much has the world changed from what you've seen, even from the knowledge base that you've learned, as far as what's going on with Hollywood and TV and everything else? It's been pretty dramatic, I would say, especially in the past 10 to 12 years. Now,
1: it may have been because I've been more awake in that period of time, uh, but definitely I've noticed since you know the year 2000, a lot of stuff has progressed rapidly, and the moral decay has also become quite severe from what it used to be. The music industry, which, I mean as doc was just talking about the illuminati and all that it's becoming so blatant as far as you know madonna's halftime show at the nfl and just the the rappers all this stuff now is becoming so blatantly satanic that most people are, are just completely accepting of it now even though they know what it stands for they know what it is they're not even resisting it anymore so I think well, really wait, what, you
2: know. I would say only to a certain degree would they really understand it. And, I mean, that's even at a small thing because, remember, these people are going through a very subtle and sly conditioning process.
1: And yes, it, takes,
2: it has been subtle. It, yes, and it takes years for this to accomplish. So it's done slowly, step by step, so that at the end result is whatever um, the programmers would want it to be. And in this case, most people's um, attention uh, is so ill-focused that they don't realize what they're being conditioned to believe or to follow.
0: Well, you know, Dr. believe I've talked about it many times. When you put people on statin drugs and you put people on fluoride and you put people on BPA and you put people on soy products and you put them on tricyclic antidepressants, and you indoctrinate them slowly like a frog being boiled in a pot to all of this visual stuff they show on TV and all the Illuminati symbolism that goes directly into the right brain and you slowly over a period of generations totally re- re- redirect the entire psyche of the population creating this horrible, horrible negative energy globally, global global, wide to do all of this. Now, let's talk about Halloween, Doc. I know that's one of your specialties. You know, because now we're talking about the occult. We're talking about the Illuminati. We're talking about Satanism. Tell me about Halloween. What does Halloween really stand for? Because, you know, even Austin, when he was little, I think I let him go trick-or-treating one time in a karate uniform because he wanted to do it. But I really, really have been careful about not letting my children get involved in any of that over the last years because I just am so diametrically opposed to the entire deal of Halloween and creating this Halloween, this high, holy, negative Satanite thing they call it. So tell me what it is, Doc, and when it got started and and if we should protect our children and keep them at home at night.
2: Well, it actually began way back in um, around 900 B.C., you see. Between 900 B.C. and 900 A.D., there was a nomadic tribe of people that had settled in the areas known as, you know, Great Britain, um, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Um, Those people were known as the Celts. Now, the Celts were a very fierce, very barbaric type of people, and like any other, um, society, they had a priestly class. And in this case, that priestly class was known as the Druids. Now, the word Druid, um, comes from the Gaelic, which means men of oak. You see, in the occult world, there are sacred plants and trees, and of the Illuminati and the Druids, the most sacred of all plant um trees. Excuse me—was the oak because it was durable, it was strong, it was long-lived, and um, this represented, <coughs> excuse me, the Druids. Now, the Druids themselves literally held all sway and power over these tribal people. You couldn't. Um, join, shall we say, the military without their permission, you couldn't get married without their permission, you couldn't um worship at um any of the stone circles in England, such as, you know, Stonehenge, aylesbury Hens, and the almost 1,000 others, and so, literally speaking, as I said, they held all sway, um, um, over everything you you said you you literally wanted to do. And, um, well, anyways, being the priestly class, obviously they had a religion. Now, from October 29th through the 31st is what's known as the Knights of Samhain, or Samhain being the Celtic Lord of the Dead. We here in America and certain other countries now refer to it as Um, Halloween, Um, and usually we'll celebrate it just on the 31st, but it's still actually in practice in these occult groups held from the 29th through the 31st, and it's dedicated to Sam the Celtic Lord of the Dead. Now, how this um, 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 really became connected, shall we say, to us? you know, shall we say, as an American holiday, if you would, is that um, ages ago, and I mean, we're talking more than 2,000 years ago, almost 3,000, um, the Druids themselves would um, gather at these stone circles. Now, understand, those stone circles, such as Stonehenge, Woodhenge, Aisburyhenge, name them, serve three major functions. First of all, they were a temple complex for worship. Second, they also served as astrological um, observatories so that they could um, measure the signs and seasons and other astrological events through it. But third, it was also used as a place for human sacrifice. Underneath Stonehenge alone, archaeologists have unearthed more than 4,000 human remains, and that's a small stone circle. The one in Aylesbury is more than a mile in circumference, and if I'm correct, the one in um, Durham's Hill, which archaeologists are working on right now, that one is um, a little bit more than two miles in circumference, so you can only imagine how many tens of thousands of bodies are underneath that one, and remember, there was more than a thousand of these in England, you know, so.
0: Well, you, Doc, I'm, hang on a second. So, see, I didn't, i wasn't I, aware of that. I mean, I've—I've I've studied a lot on Stonehenge, and I've watched a lot of the archaeological digs there, and they never talk about druidic worship there, and I never—they never talk about uh, body parts that are being, you know, dug up there, and. Are, there, are these skeletons intact? I mean, are they cut up in pieces? I mean, how were they killed? Does well, it's anybody know? Well, interesting. You see, if
2: you look now, um, people call me Doc for a reason because I do have a solid medical background. You see, I graduated at the American Academy of Health Sciences at Fort Sam in Houston, Texas, um, you know, right at the end of the Vietnamese conflict. You see, I'm an Army veteran. And I, can, and I can tell you beyond any shadow of a doubt, when I've looked at um, some of those remains myself and from other things I've seen on them, you can see that there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever that these people were used as sacrifices. Um, I just saw one recently in which you can tell by the way um, the head was decapitated by the moths, you know, the that was left on it, that this was a purposeful um, act, and it was done, um, it looks like, by some sort of stone
1: axe.
2: So there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever. When, when you look, medically speaking, or at the forensic evidence, if you want to, at how, high- bodies were executed. This was um, not just, you know, death, old age, that type thing. No, these were purposeful murders that had happened to these victims.
0: Now, tell me why they were sacrificed, Doc.
2: Well, remember, we're talking um, the Celtic Lord of the Dead. We'll get to that in a bit. Just keep this in the back of your mind. Okay. So, a week before... Would begin. The Druids would send out the Celtic tribal people to gather up literally thousands and thousands of wicker reed. And I'm, you know, wicker reed, you know, like you've heard, that was used, you know, like to make furniture, like chairs and tables, things like that. Right. That's a very durable, very strong substance. And once all the wicker reed had been gathered, they would make a giant human effigy that stood around 25 to 30 feet in height, and it was known as the wicker man. This wicker man had built in it many, many cages, and they also would build um, a couple of um, regular square cages on the ground. We'll get to that afterwards, but Um, It would take them usually a week to gather all the materials that was necessary, but starting on the 29th at midnight, um, the Druids would um, start the Samhain Festival. Shortly before they would leave those stone circles, they would um, light um, this huge cauldron that had almost like an apple-like cider substance in it. They would light it and leave. Now these stewards would wander from um, various um, um, castles to mansions, <coughs> excuse me, places of, of nobility, and they picked those places because these people had money, so they knew that they had servants and things like that. These stewards would go up to the front door of these places, bang on it, and you want to take a wild guess that they would yell out?
0: I have no idea. Trick or treat.
1: <laughs>
0: trick or treat. Oh, did they really?
2: No. <laughs> you got it. Oh, yes. <laughs> but you see, this is their version of trick or treat. You see, the treat would be if you, um, as the, um, the um, head of the household, um, would hand over a servant, or if you were desperate enough, one of your own relatives, over to the Druids to be used as a human sacrifice. They would take out a gourd or um, a giant turnip. Eventually, it, it's become the pumpkin, but they but it had been previously hollowed out and filled with human fat. They would leave that on the front doorstep, light it. And it would serve as a ward of protection against all the demonic forces that would be released during the night of Samhain. Now, here's the trick: if you did not cooperate with the druids, they would draw I mean, in blood. Now, um, the six pointed star with a circle around it. I'm talking. I'm talking about a hexagram, not. The Jewish star or the um, Star of David or the Mogan David, that's different. Those are two equilateral triangles that are interwoven, which shows the union of God with man. The hexagram is where you take one equilateral triangle and place it on top of another. That shows man over God. Um, and that's the symbol that they would paint on the front door and usually... Someone would be driven insane or die um, from all the demonic forces that would be summoned during the nights of Samhain. Now, the Druids would be doing this for hours and hours, you know, um, riding in their hay wagons or whatever they're called, you know, um, going from one place to another. Eventually, they would return back to, let's say, Stonehenge in this example. And they would take all those people that they had gathered and have them tied into those cages in the Wicker Man. And if they had spillover, that's what those extra cages were for. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, this is where the Illuminati, excuse me, I was going to say the Illuminati, same difference, Um, the Duits would begin their version of fun. They would take about 10, 12 of those um, prisoners um, with their hands that have been bound behind their back and um, form a straight line in front of um, the cauldron. They would take an apple, throw it inside the cauldron, and tell them, if you can take that apple out in between your teeth on the very first try, we will set you free. And sure enough, they would. Now, my question to both of you is, would you do it?
1: The cauldron's still on fire, correct? I'm sorry? Is Is the the cauldron still on fire? Fire. fire?
0: Well, of course. Of course. (laughs) Well, I guess if you knew that you were going to be sacrificed or you'd have to get an apple, I guess you'd probably make a choice. Maybe you're going to give it a try. Yeah, that would be your only possible way out,
2: isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because if you didn't try, well, you were going to end up as the human sacrifice and the burning man, or the worker man, as it was properly known as. Now, think about this. The burning temperature of a liquid is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. These people would literally plunge their necks into this liquid, and their flesh was melting off as they're desperately trying to save their lives. You know, those who made it, think of the permanent respiratory problems they would have because of all that liquid funneling down their throats as they're trying to get this apple. How many of them became permanently hearing impaired or blind because of that burning um, liquid? But remember... This is the um, the Jewish version of fun and games. It was fun
0: for them. So this is where this mm-hmm. this is where the bobbing for the apple thing comes from. Well, we'll 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 figure this out as we go along.
2: It's quite easy <laughs> once you know the story, you know. Yeah. And um, obviously, for those who didn't make it, the um, Jews threw them on the ground and beheaded them on the spot.
0: Oh, so, and, they, so, so they didn't burn them if they didn't make it. So
2: they had oh, it no, was no, no. To... The, punish was, the punishment was imposed immediately. Oh, so
0: they were, they had their heads cut off. So they weren't burned alive, but they were just basically killed right on the spot.
2: Mm-hmm. And oh, many a decapitated skeleton has been found under Stonehenge, as I've already stated,
1: by oh, the archaeologist. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Well, now at the end... Um, of their games. They would conclude um, sowing by having all the prisoners inside of the Burning Man, or or the Wicker Man, as it's probably called. And they would summon up the Demon Lord of Fire, Kurnanos. And according to all the ancient stories, fire literally came out of the ground and consumed um, the Burning Man and those other cages. And all this um, to observe what we now call Halloween but it goes further you see um, the nights of Samhain happen on the end of the year according to the Illuminati calendar which is based on um, the, um, the old Celtic um, um, calendar now that happened as I said at the end of the year which means um, on the thirty first, um, the end of the year happens and November first is the first night of the new year. And this <coughs> excuse me, constitutes what's known as a crossroads. You see, all crossroads in the occult are considered sacred. You can have a crossroad of, you know, um, let's say when you're watching walking down the beach. Um, Where does the shoreline end and the ocean begin? You know, that's considered sacred territory. It's a crossroad. In this case, you can have a crossroad in time, the end of the year to the beginning of the next year. That's a crossroad. And in this case, because of this crossroad, it's believed that the veil separating this world from the spirit world is at its thinnest. So, the souls can't come over. However, <coughs> a lot of them supposedly could get lost on the way. So, what was done was, do, um, during the nights of silence, huge bonfires would be kept going so that those spirits could hone in as a beacon, if you would, onto those fires. The problem with this is that it really it really can become, um, shall we say, um, an ugly situation because you're calling upon these spirits to cross over, but there's nothing that says these spirits are going to be benevolent. And many a time in the past, the Druids had problems controlling what they had summoned. So, eventually, what they did... On their robes, they would paint these occult symbols and other things and eventually wear these masks so that they could control whatever it was that was coming over. And I think you know what that translates into today. You're the Halloween costume. Exactly. And so, you see, when we look at just the basic elements of the Nights of Sour, it's very easy to determine where we get so many of the modern-day Halloween elements. As you pointed out, well, let's look at um, their version of Trick or Treat. They went out from household to household, didn't they? And, um, well, their version of Bobbins for Apples, um the timing of Halloween, the costumes, and what, what I really what I really get, shall we say a kick out of is the way the Christians, my own brothers and sisters now, have taken Halloween and turned it into what they now call a harvest festival. Well, you know what? There's actually no difference between a harvest festival and what the Druids were doing. You see, many of the Celtic people, thousands and tens of thousands, obviously couldn't make it to these stone circles. So they held their own Knights of Samhain, except they were not allowed to perform the rites of human sacrifice because there was not a Druid priest in attendance. They had all the other same elements, but they couldn't gather on people to be used as human sacrifice. Now, when these people went out to get their sacrifices, they were going on those, um, what do we call them, buckboards or with hay in the back? (laughs) (laughs) Hay rides. Yeah, what what, what are those things called?
1: Uh, Wagons.
2: Wagons, wagons. Thank you. And, um, well, they would sit them back, go through the countryside and such. Um, don't we have these haunted hay rides going on to this very day in these <laughs> yeah. harvest festivals? We do every and,
1: day.
2: And aren't these people showing up in various costumes, though some um, try to um, squelch the little hypocritical, hip, hip, yeah, hypocritical consciences by saying, we're going to dress up in Bible figures?
0: Isn't that you're right, going on every uh, day? No, you're absolutely right. Now, what about, how about if it like a fall festival? Any of that, it doesn't make any difference, does it? Whatever it is, is still about Halloween and the Druid Festival, no matter how you call it. Well,
2: aren't they holding, well, don't they have these scarecrows dressed up during um, Halloween, which is really the Wicker Man? No. Yeah. The, aren't they bobbing for apples? <laughs> Aren't they getting um, trick-or-treat going on?
0: Yeah, they going? going
2: door-to-door asking
0: for treats. They have that trunk Halloween now in a lot of churches where they go from trunk to trunk to trunk of people's cars and get candy out of the back of cars.
2: And this is the same thing that the Druids were doing almost 3,000 years ago. And yet, we decided that if we candy coated it, wave our little, you know, Bibles over it, oh it's okay, it's Christian. No, it's not Christian. The Bible tells us in Colossians two eight not to go after the traditions of man. And that's What's exactly that? what they're doing. And what kills me is that they they claim that they're doing this in the name of the Lord. Excuse me. Um that's hypocrisy. Yeah, because do yeah. want to um, do what the enemy is doing, but guide it in the name of Christianity. That is being a closet hypocrite. The open hypocrites are those churches that's having these um, big Halloween parties going over, uh, everywhere and they don't care. Well, at least they're honest. They're open hypocrites about it. Everyone else are the closet of hypocrites.
0: <laughs> well, Doc, tell me about today's witches and the the sacrifice of children that are abducted during Halloween. Tell me about all of that. Is that still going on? Um, before he passed away,
2: Dr. Ted L. Gunnison was the Senior Director of the Los Angeles Department of the FBI. And according to the tra- facts and figures he gave me, um, there's approximately a million people missing in America every year. Nine, um, 90% of them are eventually found. The other 10% are never seen again. Want to guess where they end up as?
0: Human sacrifice dog.
2: Better believe it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You see, the problem is it's too easy to get a human sacrifice. It's way too easy. They're runaways looking for a good time. Paper girls, paper boys, skid row bums, um, children running throughout the neighborhood during um, Halloween with, unsuper- you know, unsupervised, um, people at bars looking for a quick pickup or someone just to talk to, it's too easy. And parents um, are not watching their kids carefully enough because they're unsupervised as they're going out. I mean, for goodness sakes, if you have to observe this, the most damnable of No second, don't let your eyes off of them. You do. You, as a parent, you know how quick a kid can vanish.
0: Well, no, you're absolutely right. I, I'm just sitting here with all my Baptist friends <laughs> at church and all their Halloween traditions. Of course, a lot of the Southern Baptists and I'm picking on them right now, and you guys, listen to me if you're Southern Baptist. a lot of them are already members of the Masonic Lodges anyhow. And we can have Doc talk about that some right now or we can talk about the next time we bring him on. But this whole thing with the Masonic Lodges and, and Luciferism and, and, and worshiping Satan its all tied together. All of this is tied together to bring about the kingdom of Satan. One more quick question for you, Doc, and let me just kind of segue off of this because I think everybody knows now. Don't do Halloween. I mean, that's pretty clear. What about the rebuilding of the temple and all of these the synagogue of Satan folks that are running around, going to Christian churches, telling Christian churches they need to donate to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem? Explain to me why that's okay, not okay? Because I have I don't particularly want to put any money into that because the temple was already destroyed and Jesus came for us once and for all so we don't have to rebuild a temple to do animal sacrifices, which seems to me a bit odd. Explain to me why that emphasis is being pushed so hard by the Schofield Bible.
2: Well, it's because it's um, part of the prophecies in the book of Revelation. Um, When we take um, Daniel, um, Revelation, um, part of um, Isaiah and such... We find out that during um, the midst of the tribulation period, a third temple would have been built. And the Antichrist, whoever he may be, is going to sit in that temple and proclaim himself to be God. Now remember, this is the actual goal of the Illuminati. Remember, they want to see their figure um, put on the throne and be proclaimed God. And eventually, remember, they're going to want to place Lucifer on God's throne. Now, as I said, these are found in the prophecies. And that's why... um, Okay, okay. let let, let me bring this back. I have to go back a couple of centuries here. But um, back in, and this is going to shock you. Most people don't know this fact that
0: I'm going to tell you.
2: Even though it's in my DVDs,
0: but... Um, oh, hey, hang on a second, Doc. Tell us about how people get in touch with you. I apologize. Give me your website. Tell me about your DVDs. I've got oh, your DVDs. Oh. phenomenal. Go ahead, Doc.
2: Okay. Well, if anyone wants to get a hold of me here at the ministry, they all they have to do is just call 402-228-9476. Now, that's 402-228-9476. Now, my website for this ministry is called... Now this is all lowercase, no apostrophes. Just type in it's a God Thing Productions Productions with an S seven 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 dot com. Now that's it's a God Thing Productions seven 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 dot com. Or if you want you can email me directly at docmarquis seven 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 at yahoo dot com the easy i mean those are the most immediate ways you can get a hold of
0: me doc spell your email please
2: the oh, last name well I'll okay it. would be doc, doc m
0: a r q u i s and that's 777.com .com. Okay, great. Now, to go back Bye. to what you were talking about, Doc, I'm sorry to interrupt you like that, but I want to make sure we got your contact information in there.
2: Okay. Now, um, back in the, um, it was about 1837, there's one particular rabbi wrote a letter to um, um, Amshel Rothschild, who was the head of the um, Illuminati at that time. He was also the head of the um, Rothschild family. This particular rabbi wrote to um, um, Amstel Rothschild and begged him to buy the Temple Mount. And the reason he wanted them to do it was so that if they could o- offer the savory, sweet offerings to God, it would hasten the coming of the Messiah. Remember, the Jewish people don't believe the Messiah has come yet, which is why this rabbi asked Rothschild to buy the Temple Mount because he said the pres- um, the president leader of, of that area is a weak ruler and you and you could get it and interesting enough, and it was reported in Hopper's magazine back in 1837 that the Rothschild family bought the Temple Mount and thousands of acres of land around it. As a matter of fact, not even, I'm too far down the road in Rishon LeZion, I think it was. Um, um, someone had decided that they were kind of try to build a city in the middle of the desert, and they had no, little to no success. And the Rothschilds came in, decided to do it, and Rishon LeZion is one of the most thriving cities in that region. However, interesting enough, Once um, Rishon-Lazayun was really prospering and growing um, in the early 1900s, they um, wrote a letter to the Rothschilds asking them to um, step away from the city and let them run it and handle their own problem. Well, Rothschild basically replied in a letter, I, and I alone built Rishon-Lazayun, it is I who will determine what happens there. Wow. Yeah, well, now, I guess, wait, wait, okay. let, let's back up a second, because
0: remember, they own the Temple Mount. Well, now, Why is there a mosque built on it if they own the Temple Mount, Doc? Oh, well, that, that happened back in
2: the 6th, I was out the 6th or ninth century.
0: Well, I know that, but why did he um, turn
2: Or the Golden Dome, or the Dome of the Rock, was placed. It's considered the third holiest of all the mosques in exist in, in existence. The most sacred would, would be in Mecca, but um, 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 the uh, Muslims um, had built it there as a tribute to um, the Prophet Muhammad, uh, because it's believed that from that particular location, that Muhammad rose um, to Allah. That's part of their belief system. I don't buy it, but that's why that temple's there. Well,
0: well how... But does the, does the new temple have to be built on that spot? Do they have to tear that mosque down, Doc? Or do they have to put it... Can they put it somewhere else over there?
2: Well, technically speaking, there's nothing that says you have to um, get rid of um, the al um, um mosque. However... Isn't it interesting that there's a war going on there right now, isn't there?
0: Oh, there's always a war going on over there. Now, who's
2: to say that, oh, let's just say, quite accidentally a Scud missile or a smart missile accidentally hits the Dome of the Rock?
0: <laughs> You're hey. all right
2: about that. Things happen in war. I mean, it happens all the time in war. So who's to say a Scud missile or a smart bomb or whatever they may want to accidentally fire at it could very well happen.
0: That's true. They could blame it on the Palestinians. They could blame it on the Syrians. They could blame it on everybody. It's
2: got a myriad
0: of people to
2: blame it on. And so... The end result would be, well, problems gone, and right now, quite literally, if they wanted to, because they have all the instruments and things necessary for the temple to bring back the old sacrifices. They, right now, for my understanding is that
0: they have
2: um, the temple ready to be thrown up.
0: It's already been prefabricated. All so, what, 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 do. but, but Doc, to me as a Christian, I'm not going to support this because I know this is where the Antichrist is going to basically go into the Holy of Holies and proclaim himself God. I mean, okay, but why, I are, why are Christian churches? Wait, wait, wait! To you this?
2: have to remember, and 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 it's not that I'm disagreeing with you because I appreciate, I really appreciate what you are saying here because we're on the same boat. But that's coming from our perspective. That's right. not coming from the Jewish perspective. They still are waiting for the Messiah as far as they see it so they need the third temple so that they can offer up the daily sacrifice so that they can hasten back I mean so that they can hasten the arrival of the Messiah
0: but that's not that's the goal the, of the Illuminati They're the best of, that's the basic well loose. the
2: Illuminati is, well, that's another side of the coin <laughs> they want the third temple built so that they can put their person in as God. This is the ultimate blasphemy for them. Well, they on, will well, claim let me, let me, let me their there's, there's- God
0: be the king of the world. Well, because we're, we're running up on the top of the hour, so let me, let me say something for the folks that are listening. There's a really good video you can watch online. It's called Brad Metzler Decoded and it's called The Spear of Destiny. Uh, You can watch the entire video online. It's an hour-long show, and it talks about what happened to the Spear of Destiny or the spear that was plunged into Jesus' side. And at the very end, they're meeting in a church, and they're talking about the Spear of Destiny, and sure enough, they actually talk about how one of the members who's involved with the Illuminati high up in the government is planning on rebuilding the Temple Mount and then piercing their person in that in that Holy of Holies and declaring him Lord and Savior and bringing in the kingdom of Lucifer. It talks about this on the History Channel and the Spear of Destiny. So, what Doc is saying is exactly what they believe. Doc, I just want to give you some approval on that so, so people know that.
2: Well, that's the ancient spear of Longinus, okay? And it's believed, according to the ancient legends and accounts, that whoever holds the spear cannot be defeated in battle.
0: That's right. The whole show's about that. The That's ancient
2: why now, um, it's believed that this is one of the reasons why Adolf Hitler had invaded Paris, because supposedly in the Louvre, the sphere of Longitis had resided. Um, whether or not that is true or not, the fact of the matter is, um, well, Adolf Hitler um, doesn't well, believe it.
0: Yep. Yep. Well,
2: yeah. Well, that will happen. Uh, in, in,
0: the, in, the, in the show on TV they talked, they said it was in Austria, and when he annexed Austria, he got that spear, and then someone stole it from Hitler, and the person who was meeting with the presidents is the guy who stole it from Hitler. It's a very interesting show on that, but I know we're coming well, up to the top thing- Doc, Doc, we're running out of time. Doc, Doc, we're coming up to the final few minutes of the show. Anything else you want to add? while I've got you on the air because you're such an incredible guest. Anything else you want to add about Halloween or anything else in general we've been talking about? And when the music starts, I'll take over. Well,
2: already, if you've been um, reading the accounts of stories already, um, we see that a number of animals um, have been sacrificed. Um, They just recently found, uh, God forgive them, for um, nailing... um, Uh, on a tree in a crucified position a cat and um, we find reports already going on so they're already ramping things up so I I I personally will have nothing to do with it you know I don't care people say well you can pass out Bible tracts well guess what if you're not passing it out every single day then this is hypocrisy again um no Parents, watch your children. Watch if you you have pets, watch them. Don't let them go out at least by themselves one week before the nights of Samhain or Halloween begin because that's when, and even if Ted Gunderson was still alive, he would verify all the information I'm telling you.
0: Now, Now, Doc, one more thing. If people come to your door, I mean, you can't just... To try to explain all this to them. What do you say to them? You give them a Bible. I mean, what do you do? I mean, I mean, I mean that that is a good question. If you live in a neighborhood that is frequented by this stuff, what do you do? Well, you can do what anyone else does: keep your lights turned off. You know, the porch <laughs>
2: lights this way they know not to go there. Or they, go away. If they come to you insisting to get something. Then I'd give them a Bible track Okay, <laughs> so there's there's some well, alternatives. That's, you said. that's upon their insistence, you know. Uh, because if not, you know, the axiom is, well, you're supposed to get tricked now, and most of them will do it
0: with eggs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it with an egg. <laughs> but that's so true. But, uh, Doc, thank you so much for being on with me. I appreciate you being here today. Uh, you know, we just love having you on as a guest. We'll bring you back on. We'll try to have you on on a monthly basis because you're probably the most knowledgeable person in this field that I know. A lot of people that are still in this field, you can bring them on as a guest, but they're still in the field. And I really don't want them on the show. Uh, go to healthmasters.com, uh, 1-800-726-1834, uh, 1-800-726-1834, 1834 863 Nine six seven zero two four four. Austin, thanks for being on with me again today. We'll be doing another show tomorrow. Or we'll be playing this one over again. We're not sure how we're going to be doing that for tomorrow. I may just wait, and wait until next Friday when it's the, so you know, Halloween, <clears throat> the Hot Trailer Creek thing and air this one again. But Doc, thanks again. God bless you. Austin, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye bye.